Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stack Overflow podcast. Now recording and video, so every single time we wave now is wow, an introduction. It's real. I, I totally Hello. was just like looking at you, like, oh, stop talking, and then realized I'm on video now. So, wow, <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> we actually have to be in control of our faces again, which is yeah. I thought it was quite relaxing doing the whole audio only podcast because I didn't have to do my hair or trim my beard or like kind of like try and be alive with my eyes I could just focus purely <laughs> on conversation but alas we have to be alive with our eyes uh, it's a shame but here we are the day and age so we hope you do appreciate the video content that's coming out on uh, Stack Overflow it's been a labor of love from everyone here to kind of get it into the point where it is but let us know in the comments below descriptions all that we can say all the youtube stuff now we can say like and subscribe and it's not like smash that subscribe button if you are interested in more content from the stack overflow (laughs) podcast team we we are not gonna be doing that much (laughs) shilling but we might remind you every now and then in ways we think is appropriate okay so today's podcast we're going to be talking it's actually a little bit of a game dev oriented heavy podcast today one of the things that i found recently on the internet was a github project where somebody tried successfully i'm not gonna even say tried they successfully made a game boy emulator (gasps) i i think this is really cool this is like a side project that i think is just it teaches you so much stuff and it's like a really fun thing to do have you ever tried anything to this level before cassidy never to this level but i i've really liked observing it because Game Boys just didn't have a lot of memory. It was really, really difficult to kind of compress things into small amounts. And and I've read so many articles about like the Pokemon developers and, and the Mario developers and stuff where they had to figure out, okay, if we want to have these sprites, how can we reuse this? How can we figure out how to have the smallest file sizes possible so that we can make X, Y, or Z happen? And it, it's great. I am amazed by that type of memory management in coding because we just don't have to worry about it as much now. I mean, we should and we do, but it's not like (laughs) this will not function because there's not enough memory. It kind of ties into the whole like, can it run Doom meme, you know, where people are trying to run Doom on like fridges or like they even did it on the touch bar that was on the last generation of Mac. I've seen it on like a printer. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Doom was a pretty interesting case because the way in which they implemented 3D at the time was quite revolutionary. And there's there's whole documentaries around how they actually managed to do this because it is, from a technical standpoint, like pretty outstanding. So I, I'll find something and I'll drop it in the show notes or the description below. But it blew my mind. And is I think, Cassidy, we're, we're kind of in the same area where we like getting that Game Boy and Pokemon Red, Blue and Yellow, which were like the OGs. Fond memories. I think I still have mine actually too. It was great. I, I, I loved playing those games and I still play like Pokemon Go and stuff today. And so very near and dear to my heart. Out of curiosity, what is the Pokemon Go ecosystem like at the moment? Because I, I played it for a little while a couple of years ago when it first came out and it was very, very fun. And then I dropped off. Also, it came out five years ago. So that's how fast time has no. flown. I know. Oh, I know. No. And I only know because it's anniversary week. And so there's a big event right now for the fifth anniversary of Pokemon Go. I feel like that was the closest we ever got to world peace. It was just everybody playing yeah. Pokemon Go. I, I was living in New York City when it first came out. And, or wait, it's not the fifth year anniversary. It's the sixth year anniversary this year. 
oh my gosh, because it was in 2016. And in New York City, that was just where like the chaos was happening of just everybody playing everywhere all the time. And I remember there were all these viral videos of like stampedes in Central Park because people were just like, there's a Dratini over there. Oh, wow. My husband was in all of those stampedes. <laughs> like he he was running and and he would just be gone. And I'd be like, oh, I know it's because he's playing Pokemon. And everyone in my office was playing. We constantly had our phones out because there were like three Pokestops at our office that we could constantly spin. I am a little bit upset, I think, that we haven't had anything as significant happen to that extent <laughs> over the last five or six years. Like, because I remember when I first found out about it like i was in from new zealand but like i happened to be in san francisco and seattle and uh, vancouver at that time and i actually met people because i was walking around yeah. and there would be this big group of people standing there all on their phones and you'd just be like pokemon they'd be like pokemon come on like and it, it would it was so just great. it was a really weird because you'd just get like people who are interested in pokemon out in social situations whatever else and you could like, you instantly had like a connection to be like, so what are you doing? Like Pokemon, like what's going on? Right, right, right. It was an excellent way to meet people and get outside. And no, yeah, nothing's been like that. Like I, I got to know neighbors because like we would happen to be like <laughs> going, oh, there's a raid at like the church near our house. You want to go together? And so we would all walk together and everything. I mean, working with digital stuff, like everyone here, anyone who's listening is a software developer or you're just interested in tech, like you spend a lot of time sitting behind a screen and to be able to meet other people who are also interested in the same variety of things as you are, but do it in a way that's kind of like away from sitting down at a computer. I, I really enjoyed, I think that aspect the most, like obviously the Pokemon aspect was fun, but it was the kind of just like, even if you were just like off for a walk by yourself and then you just took out your phone, Pokemon go, you went round, like it was just, it was very good at connecting people. Yeah. And I wish we had something else to ban behind. The thing is, other games have come out, but just not to that degree. Like, there was a Harry Potter one that came out. I think there were talks about, like, a Lord of the Rings one, but they're just not as popular okay. as, as Pokemon is. And I'm not sure why, but it's just a very universally loved thing amongst the people who grew up around it, I think. It's always going to hold a very firm place in my heart. I think going forward. And if there happens to be more good Pokemon content that comes out in like 20 years time from now, I'm going to be jumping on it too. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm going to be walking around on my little stroller or Segway or whatever. Hopefully I don't age that quickly, but like. You never know. <laughs> who knows? You never know. Yeah. Anyway, so just going back to this emulator, the, the project is linked on GitHub. I thought it was really fascinating. I've never tried emulating something before. You can actually go and play I think about six games. So they've got Tetris, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which also chef's kiss, amazing. So cool. Pokemon Blue, Donkey Island, uh, Donkey Kong Land, and Castlevania. Did you ever play The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening? So I have a fun little story about my Game Boy. My parents were not that into video game consoles and stuff. Uh, Like we played educational games on the computer, but that was pretty much it. And then my dad found a Game Boy Color in a ditch on the side of the road. And it had Pokemon Blue in it. And <laughs> yeah. that year was a glorious year because we finally had a video game <laughs> and my sister and I would just kind of trade the Game Boy back and forth. And we were truly learning it brute force like because we didn't have any guides or anything. We, di- we didn't. That reminds me of just, so I had a, a Game Boy growing up and we were fortunate enough to get a Nintendo later on, but we didn't have internet for like, it just wasn't a thing in our house for a while. And so 
we weren't <laughs> looking up like guides on how to do right. things. It just wasn't, it wasn't possible. I remember my dad, I got stuck on this one particular part and he was talking to me about it. He was like, oh, like, how come you haven't been playing your game? And I got, said, I got stuck and he had gone to work and he did like printed off like the like guide solution thing and he like handed it to me and I, it was like it was so so nice That's really really awesome lovely. the closest i ever got to it was if we like were near a GameStop or something where i could go in and see if they had those magazine guides for the games because yes. those those yeah, were yeah, yeah. such a thing so if ever we got close i'd be like could i go in for five minutes and and my parents would be just like just for a second and so i'd go in and just like leave through and try <laughs> to see if i could find anything because like when in those early games in, in red, blue, yellow, there was like you, a bush that you could cut or it was a tree or something that, that you could use the cut TM. Oh, on, yes, 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 yeah, yes. Or HM. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea how to do that. I was just like, you're just trapped. Yeah, that there's, was tricky. There's no way to do it until you find a magazine somewhere that tells you that's the kind of thing you can knock down. The specific tree that you mentioned, was it kind of like on the right hand side of the script, so you had to move across to the right. There was that one, and then there was one. Oh gosh, it was above the Viridian Forest and below Pewter Town, and you you didn't get it until later because you like went in the that Diglett Cave to get near it. This is very specific. Yes. Knowledge, oh, those but caves! Yeah, those caves sucked. I know. Yeah. because you couldn't see, so I I had to brute force that whole thing because like I just couldn't figure out what to do until you realized you had to get flash <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> it was so annoyed that was a long chunk of my childhood that particular one yeah i i'm kind of glad that we didn't have the ability to look this kind of stuff up because it honestly it was a good yeah. learning experience of learning how to solve a fun puzzle and adventures and that sort of thing and i feel like that's something yeah. where like if ever i have future children i'll be like you're going to play this game and I'm not going to tell you how to do it. And I'm just going to let them figure it out. You just lock them in a room with no internet <laughs> or cellular Pokemon connection. Appreciate history. <laughs> uh, I think that honestly, from a problem solving perspective, yeah, that worked because now a lot of the time, if I get stuck, I'm so tempted just to reach over my phone and yeah. Google the solution. And I didn't have to go through that kind of walkthrough of figuring out for myself, what, what it was. And that's part of the joy of the whole thing as well. Right. I feel like that's a joy of learning anything. If you can do it yourself and, and figure out how to do it yourself, you learn it so much better than if someone tells you how to do it and you yeah, apply sure. it yourself. And we could get all into that so deeply. <laughs> when we're working and working through like software development problems or, or most problems for that matter, like we're just trying to solve it as efficiently as possible. We're not really right. built to experiment and play and be creative and be like, you know what, we're going to spend a week trying to figure out all the potential solutions to this problem. It's like, no, we need to get from point A to point B right. as fast as possible. And I never really thought about the impact that that could have on my like recreational time or the stuff that I do for fun or my own learning and development. AccuSoft is a software development company specializing in document processing, conversion, and automation solutions. From out-of-the-box and configurable applications to APIs and SDKs, AccuSoft helps developers solve their document workflow challenges while saving hours of development time. Learn more at AccuSoft.com. Okay, speaking of recreational fun and learning, I would like to take a quick break and talk to you about Moose, the animal. <laughs> okay. Because I know that this is silly, but... 
I just got really into moose in the past 24 hours, and I have learned so many interesting facts. Did you know that a moose can dive like up to 20 feet deep in the water? You know what? I I could try and feign my reaction. We talked about this pre-show and I was completely baffled and blown away. So I'm not going to fake anything. Okay. But for the viewers out there, yeah. I'm still I did flabbergasted. Not they can close their nostrils. Do they swim like dogs? They do. Yeah. So they can swim like oh, across wow. lakes, fjords, whatever. They can swim up to six miles per hour. Uh, they dive and just graze along the bottoms of bodies of water to the point where one of their regular predators is orcas because they they can just get eaten while swimming. They actually swim a lot. See, like that's one of those things that you say it, but my brain doesn't compute that that is actually a thing, right? Yeah. The closest existence I think those two could have was if like the moose was on the shore and it saw an orca out in the bay and they were like, they, like, they acknowledged each other. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of like dipped the antler and the orc was just put up a fin, you know? <laughs> but Also picture this, because a moose is huge. And this is, this is how deep I got it. The, yeah. av- the average female moose is about 770 pounds. The average male is about 880 pounds. But they can all get to up to 1,800 pounds. Giant yeah, creatures. Yeah, moose. Their antlers can spread up to six feet wide. So this is a gigantic, like, larger-than-a-vehicle creature diving, eating vegetation at the bottom of water. With antlers that big, how does that impact their ability to... Because it's not like they're foldable. Oh, yeah, it's like, drag. They can't just tuck those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And they also, That's- fun fact, they shed their antlers every year. And it's, not, it's like hair. It doesn't hurt them. They, ju- they shed their antlers. That's kind of fun, to yeah. be honest. I kind of like how, like, not bougie, but like how <laughs> they'll be like, I wonder what I'm getting this year. I think I might go for a different style. <laughs> like, I'm going to go for a little bit of a, a curve around here, and this one's going to be, yeah. They have their little, like, vision board at home with all the Pinterest handlers that they want to they try to do this year. Yeah. I have not seen a moose yet in Canada, but when I first see one, I will let you know. I'll take a photo. Tell me We'll put everything. it on the podcast. I would love that. Well, and, and oh. Their, their antlers are so amazing. They don't actually use their antlers to fight. Like, like they kind of do because they're very solitary animals. They, they're relatively peaceful. But then like during mating season, the like male bull moose is, is like, I want the ladies. And, the, and that's when they like kind of shove each other with the antlers. But their main like, I'm going to crush you things are their hooves. Their hooves are really aggressive uh. where like their front feet can kick in any direction. Forward, side to side, back. What? Yeah. They just have like a really funky joint at the knee. So I picture, this is where the video is is good. I picture them being like a helicopter, like and just like <laughs> attacking and waving their, and flailing. Granted, that would be me if I were a moose. I'd be just panicking and, and flailing my front legs. But that's how they like fight is with their feet, not with their antlers. Interesting. How did you get started on this and what resources should I look at for any moose-related activities in the next 24 hours? I literally wrote myself a over 500-word post just for me to learn about moose facts, and so <laughs> maybe I should publish it. I first got interested in this because there's a show on the History Channel that was recently added to Netflix called Alone, and they drop a person, I think 10 people, in the middle of the wilderness separately so they are alone by themselves and each of these people is allowed to have 10 objects 
And those objects can be anything. I I think within reason, like I don't think anybody brought like a shotgun or anything, but but like <laughs> a bow and arrow, a flint, a bull, things like that. Are, and like a GoPro that's solar powered and they just film themselves and everybody is just surviving in the wilderness as long as they can. And whoever survives the longest wins. That's the whole concept. Wow. It's fascinating. It just kind of popped up on my feed. And as like one of the guys was surviving, he just saw a moose swimming. And I was like, that moose is swimming. How about that? Do moose swim? And then I went deep into the cavern of knowledge about moose and i want i want to see one i want to learn everything speaking of things that are scary and intimidate me my personality not pow- it's not powerpoint oh. <laughs> 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 um the next thing we have to talk about today is game development in powerpoint which is a, a video on youtube again going to be linked in the description below cassidy would you like to introduce this wonderful little link that we have so cool powerpoint is amazing like i've seen people say oh you can like build a state machine in PowerPoint. You can build a computer in PowerPoint. There's so many things. Game development in PowerPoint is just another one of those incredible things that you can do in it. And this video I found, it's a PowerPoint game jam where it was just kind of these, these people saying, what kind of game can we make in PowerPoint? And you can do scripting in it. You can have like mouse effects because it's built in in PowerPoint. There, there's so many things. It's a full on software tool that we, I feel like so many people, including myself, underestimate to be just like, yeah, you can do really cool presentations. Look at this animation. You could do such cool things in this. And watching this was kind of like what you said. It was a humbling experience because they just pushed it to its limit and they were able to make games in PowerPoint. Oh, that's right. I'm just, I'm skimming through the, um, it's only about a nine and a half minute video and uh, seeing kind of like how they built the platforms and stuff like that. That's very cool. It's very cool. And it also kind of shows you that you don't need to have really fancy tools if you just want to be creative and make something. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, when you just kind of learn as you go, you're not going to find, I mean, maybe you will, tutorials on like, how do I do this certain game development thing in PowerPoint? Uh, That's Mm. probably (laughs) not a topic that's going to come up regularly. But... It's such a cool, creative thing to figure out, okay, I have to do this using the tools in front of me. How will I get to it? And and it was a very cool experience watching this video and seeing what came out of it. Yeah, I, I doubt that I'm going to be looking. I've been looking into game engines recently, and I'm, I'm assuming my next search isn't going to be Unity versus Unreal versus Godot versus Powerpoint. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very much going to stick within the, the main boundaries. But I'd seen a lot of people do some crazy stuff with Excel as well. Excel is even bigger, like between PowerPoint and Excel and honestly, even Microsoft Word, those are some powerful tools that have just withstood the test of time in so many ways. I, I was talking to someone who's, he's a security engineer who who gets very deep into encryption and stuff. And I was talking just about password managers and stuff with him. And he was saying, honestly, the way Microsoft Word's encryption works with password protection and everything, if you if you wanted to password protect a document, you could, instead of using 1Password or LastPass or any of the open source options, all, all of the things out there, you could literally encrypt a Microsoft Word document that has all of your passwords in it, and it would be just as secure, if not more secure, because it's local to your machine. It blows my mind. I can attest to that, but not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> so when I left... 
one of my early jobs, I thought I was doing the sensible and responsible thing where we didn't have a password manager. So in my kind of like doc, when I left the company, I put down all the information, all the processes, everything else. And I, I put all the passwords in plain text in the Microsoft doc. And then I used like, I'm not sure if it was the native encryption or whatever else, but you put a password in. And then I told my manager the password, hunky dory, I moved on, life was good. And then about six months after that, they needed a password for one of the social accounts and the manager had forgotten what the password was. They hadn't no. put it in their own system. And they reached out to me and they said, hey, what was the password? And I said, I, I, I don't know. I wrote it down for you. I gave it to you. I don't know what to do. And then nobody could open this file. No. Yeah, it was fortunately, it, we, they, they were logged in on other computers. They're able to get everything back, but it was not the easiest process in the world. So pro tip, if you're going to encrypt a Word file with a password, remember it, put, <laughs> put it, it in a backup, put it, it in a safe, whatever else. Hide it in a drawer. <laughs> yeah. Put it underneath the desk. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Those things can definitely backfire if you don't build in redundancy to, to your password management. Yeah. Very, very important. Before we head off as well, I just want to say I've had a quick look at some of the upcoming guests that we're getting onto the podcast. And even though I cannot say anything currently, there are some really cool episodes coming up that I'm genuinely very, very excited about. So just keep an eye out. Smash that subscribe button, everyone. <laughs> no, yeah. We're going to have to have like a little, not a swear jar, but a like and subscribe jar for every time somebody says that mm, we can. Perfect. The lifeboat for today. A lifeboat is an answer score of 20 or more to a question score of negative three or less that goes on to receive a score of three or more. Today's lifeboat goes to Zvone for answering question, error message, type error, descriptor, append requires a list, object but received, addict. Dict as in dictionary there, just to be careful of that accent. Yeah, I've come up with a lot of TypeScript errors in the past. I still do. I really honestly need to spend some time learning TypeScript end-to-end -end because I see a lot of setting type to any, I know is not the solution to everything. I have thoughts. I think it's a good language. I think it is often overkill depending on how you use it, but it's great. And I can recommend a book and I'll drop it in the show notes. Excellent. By Josh Goldberg. He just launched a book called Learning TypeScript last week or two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Timely. Oh, it's very easy. LearningTypescript.com. <laughs> oh, I bet they were thrilled when they got that domain. Perfect. <laughs> well, that, that again will be in the show notes below. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming along. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, my name is Matt Kinanda. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online and most of the places at Matkanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. And I'm Cassidy Williams. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O -S -S -O, on most things. You can find me at Remote and also OSS Capital doing developer experience things. Or if you're like a moose, you could chase me by the day five after your birth. They can outrun a human day five. Hold on. Are you saying that they... After five days, they five will be able days to catch of being you? alive, they can outrun a human. Oh, wow. I know. Moose are amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. We got to end I the episode. I was thinking like, <laughs> yeah, we do. But I just, I just like, I thought you were saying that like a moose and a human at a start line go, like it would take the moose five days to catch up to the human. Oh, no, but no. When this is five, five days, days after birth. Five days old, it can outrun you. Yeah, we can't really do much nope. at five days old. 
pretty helpless. Superior creatures. (laughs) (laughs) Go have a look at some moose. Enjoy your rest of your week or your weekend, whenever you're enjoying this. And we will see you again in the next one. Bye. Bye.